Hey, Adam, I've got some good news. I love good news, Nick. Well, guess what? I got some. (laughs) Tell me. As of this episode of the show, Thank the Maker is partnering up with Roosevelt's, the company that makes all those rad Star Wars button downs that I've been wearing recently. Yeah, they do t-shirts and shorts and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. I'm very pumped that they are teaming up with Thank the Maker. And on top of that, they're also going to be involved helping us throw the ultimate Star Wars party, Mosh Eisley, from here on out. So stoked. I love that company. I love their stuff. I'm going to get some. I I actually don't own anything yet, but I I saw everything that you got recently. So I'm going to go, and everyone who's listening should go to roosevelts.com. That's R-S-V-L-T-S.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. That's R-S-V-L-T-S.com. It's like Roosevelt's without vowels because, you know, millennials. And use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name is Adam Russell. Go Jaguars. My name is Ryan Key. We won our first game in 18 years. What? Not really. Who's winning the match? Not really. <laughs> you just said Jacksonville, and I just thought I remembered that the whole city rejoiced as if we'd won the Super Bowl because we won our game. <laughs> that sounds like Islanders fans. Hey, everyone. I'm Nick. <laughs> And I'm excited to talk about Andor. But really first, Ryan, I want to know about Yellow Card playing a show on Saturday. That's what I really want to know. Oh, man. It was such a blur, dude. It wasn't honestly until maybe Monday even. We played Saturday night in Chicago at Riot Fest. It was our first show in almost six years. I don't know how many people were watching us. I just know that it wouldn't have been possible to fit any more people where they were allowed to have people. So whatever the maximum amount was, that's what was watching the show. (laughs) Amazing. And I don't remember it really. Honestly, like it went by so fast. Obviously, I was really focused on like playing and singing well and all that. So I was kind of in the zone and and, like, I know it was completely overwhelming, but I was just like, it took me a day and a half or something to be like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> like when we got to the 13th song of Ocean Avenue because we were playing the album all the way through I, I just I, I was like how 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 are we already on this far <laughs> into the show yeah but it was the vibes were so good within the band I mean you guys know from being on tour how if you take two or three weeks between legs or even longer if you're on a record cycle you like have six months off before you come back in there's like a fresh new kind of energy and if there was any kind of weird vibes at the end of your previous however long cycle it kind of it's like a reset refresh well i think it's a bit of i guess it's a little bit of a bummer that we needed more than five years for our refresh (laughs) to work but it worked so nice yeah yeah it was it was killer man we all it it felt special you know for i think within the band and then definitely for fans and on stage i mean everything that's happened on the interwebs since then is just like what people are posting it's it's mind-blowing the, the effect it had on people who were there and the like FOMO of people who were not there. <laughs> it's crazy. That's great. We posted like a selfie video on, we made a TikTok account really shortly before the, we, we started this the whole thing up. Like it's only been up for a little while and doesn't have that many followers at this, at the time. Let's see, we're going into rehearsal. We probably had like eight or 9,000 followers. We made this like quick, Sean walked around the room with a selfie angle on everyone while we were practicing. It has a million views. We got like uh-huh. over 36,000 followers in less than 48 hours. We're up to over like 36,000 or something. Completely viral and insane on on the internet too. So it's just, it's been crazy, dude. It's been crazy. And as expected, the phone started ringing off the hook 
for other things to do afterwards. And I don't think I'm blowing anything up by saying that all of our socials now say stay tuned. So (laughs) uh, I don't know what any of those things are yet. Nothing is confirmed, but it's heading in the right direction. It looked rad, man. I was at the Gaslight Anthem show and was like, I'm going to check social media because I'm really, I really want to see, I want to see Ryan on stage. And (laughs) and everything sounded good, looked good. It was nuts, man. man. The video wall and just like, Yes, you know, it was big, felt big. (laughs) Well done. Appreciate you. You know what else is big? This new series on Disney Plus. (laughs) What are you about to say? (laughs) (laughs) Not a. (laughs) Um, Andor, the long awaited Andor. We got the first three episodes today, and man, I watched a lot of Star Wars today and I enjoyed every minute. Yeah, really, really cool, man. I'm just glad that someone at Lucasfilm has been listening all along to me on this show and finally <laughs> made my show for me. Personally dedicated. It said it in the credits, right? Dedicated to Ryan yes. William Ryan. We're Ranky. gonna push it back so he plays a show on Saturday. It comes out the following Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ryan's they knew. Gonna be stoked. Yeah, this was custom designed for my needs. <laughs> we'll get into uh, first impressions, observations, and things, talking points and all that momentarily, but let's do stolen plans real quick before that. What have you done with those plans? Andor, the series on Disney Plus, like we said, debuted today at the time of this recording, September 22nd, 2022. It was created and written by Tony Gilroy. He has the executive producer credit along with Diego Luna and some others on this. Tony Gilroy, you might know as the writer of Rogue One, another one of Ryan's favorites, the writer of the entire Bourne franchise. Another one of Ryan's favorites. Except for the, um, no, he did Legacy too. Yeah, he did them all. Yeah, because he, he also directed The Bourne Legacy. The dude knows his stuff. He, uh, he, he wrote and directed Michael Clayton. For so anyone good. who doesn't know, that's a, like kind of a corporate crime drama thriller starring George Clooney. Really, really good movie. Amazing film. I think too, there's, there's a little note real quick that he's not a massive Star Wars fan. I feel like. Tony Gilroy. Maybe that shows. Yeah, yeah. It's like different from the Deborah Chows and the Fabros and Filonis. So I feel like we're getting a different vibe, obviously. Some of the best Star Wars moments and movies and episodes and things come out of people who aren't necessarily fans. Yeah, Alec Guinness had never done sci-fi. Yeah, like uh, Bill Burr's performance in um, whatever episode that was. That dude hates Star Wars. (laughs) He hates it. He hates everything, though. (laughs) Directors, just two so far in these first three episodes, Toby Haynes... He's mainly a TV director. I think he's a British guy. He has done Doctor Who, Sherlock, an episode of Black Mirror, a show called Utopia on Amazon Prime. He did episode one. Episode two was directed by Benjamin Caron, I want to say, Caron. Uh, I think he's British too, so who knows how that's pronounced. It was co-directed by him and Toby Haynes. Benjamin has done some episodes of The Crown, Sherlock, and I think the two of them worked together or knew each other from Wallander. I think that's a British show. I think it's a BBC show. And then the two of them also directed episode three. I don't know how that, how like 50-50 that directing distribution is. It could they be. do one eye, one eye each and each viewer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wear patches. They wear patches. <laughs> Stand right next to each other yeah. with a patch in the middle. <laughs> it works, it works. Uh, this series stars, of course, Diego Luna as Cassian Endor. So stoked for him. Yeah, he's unbelievable pumped. opportunity. He's I, I, it's just crazy. I mean, he he has a, a moment in the sun from Narcos. Like Narcos is a wildly successful streaming show, and he was the lead on the show. So there is that. But the reach from Narcos to like the niche audience that is into like drug shows on Netflix mm-hmm. versus obviously the scope of this is not even comparable. I, I it's just whatever. We'll get into it. Adria Arjona plays Bix Kaleen. That's uh, Cassian's friend slash maybe love interest. Ambiguous vibes there. Mm. AKA Nick's new girlfriend. Yep. Glad. I'm, I put that in the notes. I'm glad you read that. <laughs> she uh, She's done a lot of TV acting as well. She was on several episodes of Good Omens. She was also in Pacific Rim and Morbius. Fiona Shaw, older actor who we all recognize. She's kind of a that guy, that girl, that person type actor. Uh, she plays Marva and or. Does it call out her last name in the actual credits or is this? I didn't notice. Because on IMDb, it just says Marva. Mm, I did not notice. But it's interesting and cool that Marva Andor is apparently her name. It's Cassian's kind of maternal figure. You may recognize her from Harry Potter, among a billion other things. 
Stellan Skarsgård plays Luthen Rael. He is kind of a black market buyer and rebel contact in these first few episodes. We know from the trailer that he's fully part of the rebellion. We see conversations between him and Mon Mothma in the trailer, so more to come from him. Kyle Soler plays Cyril Karn. He's um, the Priox Morlana or Primor corporate security. Corporal maybe is his rank. He's a douche. Or at least he's a douche now. I really like that character. Like there, there's something, we'll get into it more, but there, there's something up with him. I think it's more than yeah. just being a douche. <laughs> People are speculating that he might be one who turns, yeah. kind of like Agent Callus mm-hmm, style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe he's just not all like... I could see that. He's not cut out for the uh, the Empire vibes. Joplin Subtain is Brasso. Dave Chapman as the voice of B2 Emo. Is that how they're pronouncing it? B2 Emo? B2 E-M-O? Mm-hmm. B2's dope. He's credited as BB-8 in The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. Also Rio Durant and Lady Proxima in Solo. Yeah. That, that name is... <laughs> really on the nose yeah yeah uh hopefully they don't say he, the full name i don't know b2 emo yeah i feel like i'm gonna yeah. make a little cringe face if they actually uh, say the word emo yeah, but uh it's really interesting <laughs> so far like in the first three episodes he's kind of like a like i want to say like a predecessor to k2 like kind of yeah. sort of similar vibe like personality wise mm-hmm. so that's interesting he's also one of the only He's one of the only speaking droids that has that kind of like wheeled form factor mm. without mm-hmm. a humanoid shaped body. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I can't think of anything else. Even like in Jabba's palace. Yeah, they're all like uh, humanoid shaped. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So I thought it was cool. What's um, Rise of Skywalker? Dio. Mm. He talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The composer on this show is Nicholas Bertel, who did Secession and has three Emmy nominations. Yeah. He's I, been around I, the block. I felt like... The first three episodes, there were some notable music like kind of things here and there, but for the most part, it was very like tonal and like setting a tone. You know, like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't hum the Andor theme right now. You know, like I have no clue. I will say that um, you you can definitely hum the Succession theme. So yeah. it's, I I, I think <laughs> there were, I mean there there might have been direction at at not doing that and mm-hmm. and like for the world of music. Well, whatever Adam, you said to do this later. I'll do it later. I have thoughts. Do it live. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little more. We'll do it live. <laughs> get into that a little bit more later. Runtimes on these three episodes, 41, 37, and 42 minutes. I'm pumped if we're going to be in this range for the rest of the time. Yeah, I feel like we were in for total, like, actual screen time. I think I calculated, like, an hour and 43 minutes. Like, not counting credits and stuff like that. And the way they, the spots where they cut seem a little arbitrary. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like, this first three was meant to be sort of a feature on its own. You know what I mean? Yeah, agreed. Almost like commercial breaks. It, it, totally, this this three-episode premiere played like act one, two, and three of a film. Yeah. No question. And and it's so funny that um, in our text that earlier today, someone talking about how they were kind of leaning more into Dune than, I, I, I can't remember which Star Wars reference was made, but you, you think about how part one of, of Dune ends super ambiguously that way like it just there's there's no and kind of out of nowhere it, it, totally it just all of a sudden just comes to a stop like while they're <laughs> in the midst of like one of the peak moments of like wait no now he's out he's in the desert with the fremen like you're gonna end the movie you know yeah. so i don't think that was deliberately you know taken from that in any way but I, but it's it was a cool reference in the chat that i thought now that you're saying this i'm thinking like wow it's re- actually if this was a film on its own i would be stoked and i would happily wait two years or three years or whatever for the sequel, it, even if that was the last shot of the film. You know, it was like, it was so climactic. What, Dude, episode three was <laughs> mind-blowing, dude. It was mind-blowing. Yeah, when it, when it really started to come to a head and shit was going down in that old factory. Dude, dude the machine shop th- scene mm-hmm. was one of the most incredible... Uh, uh, correct me, it's not lightsabers. So I'm just going to say fight sequences, like throne room yeah. level. It was, I was glued Dude, the second that that one, the one um, Primor dude got like the chain around his leg and got dragged away with like a big boy movie scream, like a scream of agony and fear. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, you're dead. So much like a Jaws moment. So much dying, which I also love. But I mean, living is cool, but it's I like I like action. (laughs) I like action films. So, um, yeah, that that whole scene was just incredible. I, I, I thought we've never seen anything like that in Star Wars 
the choreography of those those machine, the, the, all the different metal things falling in the chains. It was just, mm. it was brilliant. It was so well thought out. The multi-level fighting, the, sh- the shot of, of Cassian running for the box and the dude is up in the rafters above him. And, and yeah, it wasn't yeah. your typical like, oh, a stormtrooper can't hit his shots. It was like, they were, they were, I mean, he did get shot yeah, in the scene. Exactly, yeah. And I think that plays into the level of realism we're going to get in this show. Like, uh, I mean, we'll be interested to see if stormtroopers do or don't hit their shots. But we also know that at least in this season, we're looking at clone troopers, like, like post clone troopers, whichever version of, right? I mean, that's in the trailer. So they may be better at hitting their shots. I don't know. But it just, the whole fight sequence felt more grounded in reality than so much of what we see. And I think that's obviously that's deliberate. Yeah. You could talk for hours about, Stormtroopers miss their shots because kids watch Star Wars, and if they shot every single person they shot at, every single film would be nothing but murder and death. <laughs> well, yeah. well, apparently someone decided it's okay to do that once in Star Wars, and here we have it. Yeah, this this whole thing is definitely a more grown up, darker, more dramatic tone. It's a slower pace. Those first couple episodes, like you said, it was like the first two acts of a film. It, it's there's time to breathe, time to live in those moments. It's more conversational. And it's it's it doesn't not feel like Star Wars, but it feels like a different version of Star mm-hmm. Wars, much more for adults, not in the uh, not in the porn sense. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you've got like little things like a space dog whizzing, and you see the actual piss stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's never been shown in Star Wars. Bad words. Yeah. You have bad words. Yeah, Cassian says crap. That corporal dude says shit. A lot of bastard. They say bastard like yeah. five times across mm-hmm. the three episodes. There's a woman in her underwear the morning after. Apparently having sex. After after copulating. <laughs> yeah. These are all first. She came over for a booty call. Yeah. She she did. She came my over. My wife. My wife, yeah. Bix Colleen, on screen. Wow. Well, I love that. I mean. I want to see a counselor. <laughs> I know these are like first reactions. So, uh, you know, reactions to that. I love that she actually went over there kind of faking it though too to like oh yeah to to play it off and calm him down. And, but then you saw, spoiler, when he dies. Uh, mm-hmm. What was his name? Tim. Tim with on the show. Some call me Tim with two M's. Yeah. Cool. Tim. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, so when when Tim dies, you see you see Bix's reaction that like she was really pissed and she went over there and definitely played the spy game with him mm-hmm. that night. I've seen some conversations about that kind of stuff too in film. Like instead of looking at women who like go sleep with a dude, being like. That's it. That's the only. That's the only thing they can do. It's like super empowering to be like, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm use. It's spycraft, and I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm super comfortable doing it. So control the situation. Sh- shut up. And, yes, yeah. and so like I think that's what was going on. I think that was rad. Uh, but I think she was kind of at the very least <laughs> in very like with him. I don't know if she was in love with him because I think well, she's in love with Cassian. Up, I watched it the second time with uh, captions on and. The conversation before that scene, when they were in like the the shop that they worked in, one of them said, "Like I thought we agreed to once a week," and I was like, "Excuse me, mm. yes, yeah. are you talking about you an agreement to have a booty call once a week?" Yes, in Star Wars, <laughs> like an official <laughs> affair with terms. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. Cassian coming in and having that impression of like it looks like it's turned into more than work. Yeah, that gave her the confidence to actually be like, "It's none of your business," and no, it's not. It's like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like it's this is grown up Star Wars. She's like, yeah. "Yo, it's none of your business how I get mine." You know, like yeah. we have an arrangement, and clearly they do have an arrangement. So I agree with everything you're saying, Adam, about it being grown up and adult. I mean, there's adult relationships unlike anything you've seen in Star Wars before. And right away, boom, it sets the tone for where we're living. Yeah, and in this in this new in this new series, and I think the last thing I would say about it being kind of slower in the beginning and the first, it's visually like overwhelmingly stunning. Mm. It has mm-hmm. that Rogue yeah. One color treatment where there's like wild colors that are pop in Rogue One. There's lots of oranges and rebel colors, greens, blues. They pop, but they're they're also like desaturated. It's a really in crazy. It's like I'll use it again. It's like arching your back while keeping it straight at the same time <laughs> yeah. from forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, so I, you know what I mean. It has this like desaturated vibe to it, but then it's also super vibrant. At somehow at the same time, yeah. Really, I, I, I could, I was just staring, mouth agape. So I didn't. <laughs> I'm so excited about this, like this level of realism in Star Wars, just to being something different, something new, something fresh. I love Rogue One, obviously, and and this is on the nose from the creators of Rogue One. They're like, yes, that's it's going to feel the same. There were definitely some other things that are very Rogue One, right in line with the style of Rogue One, like the the title cards. 
the font that they use there, mm-hmm. you know, it's same kind of vibe. Naming the planets. Yeah. So using the same kind of stuff, but also the pace. I remember w- watching Rogue One in the first act was like so much more information that I could take in the first watch. Mm-hmm. You know, so much happens so quickly and there is so much to look at. It's kind of tough. This, this makes it apparent to me that that style of story belongs in this TV format, this like prestige TV format, which is a first for Star Wars and I'm here for it. I had to back it up a few times to get the scope of, of the different characters they were talking about and how they were all connected. Mm-hmm. You never have to do that in Star Wars. Like this is a different kind of, of writing. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get dropped in right away with with the level of of intensity and how high the stakes are in I know you're going to get to this but in in BBY5 already like you're getting dropped into this this uh, really high stakes environment and there's a lot to grab onto. There's a lot of information you have to take in about how these different characters are connected to each other. And I think I think it's cool to respect the Star Wars audience at large that like we're ready for something like this in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We're ready for a, for a more in-depth thriller where there is a lot of information that you have to keep. It's not just your core characters that you already know what's going on with them. One more little stylistic thing that, that was brand new for Star Wars and is a contrast to another stylistic choice they made, the translations of some arabesque on a view screen in the, um, uh, whatever it was, one of those facilities... They use those as live titles on the screen, animated live titles on screen that kind of were locked and moved with mm-hmm. moved with the camera. Oh, I think that was Tim. I think Tim, when she, when Bix left, oh, that's yeah, right, yeah, that's right. He pulled he up went, what she was looking at. Yeah, but then on the flip side, in the flashbacks, because there's this whole parallel flashback thing, no subtitles at all for the Canary language in in the flashbacks. So so cool, dude. Mm-hmm. I noticed that right away, and I thought maybe I had messed up. But but I didn't pick up the remote to be like, let me check and see. I actually was like, no, I didn't mess up. They're, they're doing this deliberately, yeah. and it's badass. It had like a, uh, I don't know, like Dances with Wolves or something like that kind of vibe to it. People you are saying I mean? Lord, of, Lord of the Flies as far uh, as um, kids go, you know? Um, I got the vibes of, of, of uh, Apocalypto in there, like the South American rainforest, jungle, mm-hmm. tribal thing, you know? Yeah. But Lord of the Flies is cool. I hadn't thought of that because they're 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 all kids, mm-hmm. and they're apparently like there are hints that there was something that killed everyone on the planet, something in the air mm-hmm. that killed adults but didn't affect children. Yeah, interesting. Because mm. they've got those those gas masks when um the, when Marva shows up, you know, in the flashback, and the the separatist dudes in the crashed ship. I don't know if that's supposed to be their natural skin color, or if it all turned oh, yellow because yeah, yeah. they died. Mm-hmm. So that's truly Lord of the Flies. It's just all kids. That's what I thought, though. If, if you're saying that that was the Easter egg or the clue that something killed the adults and not the children, it totally could be that. But what I took from that scene was the dudes turned yellow from they and the ship crashed because of some outbreak yeah. or some tox, toxin mm. on the ship. And mm-hmm. by the time they got there, she was like, you don't need to worry about that. The ship's been crashed for however long, whatever it was, it's gone. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. what I thought. Could be, huh. could be something. There was two. There was that one flashback. Well, during this flashback, where Cassian walks by like that massive, like kind of mining area, and he kind of mm-hmm. just looks disappointed. Clearly, it's been abandoned. So I wonder if there was an accident there or something that maybe like yeah. produced gas or I don't know. Or the Empire like destroyed it. Mm-hmm. It makes and sense. And that was clearly too. I mean, it wasn't even the Empire technically because if he's a kid, then that's probably more. Oh yeah, yeah, Republic yeah. Era. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe something happened in the war in the Clone Wars. There, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she even mistakenly refers to the dead. You know, or she says, you know, he killed a Republic officer, right? Yeah, yeah. Because she's maybe not aware. Because mm-hmm. that what maybe was a Republic refinery mining setup. Yep. Ryan, what do you think about the score? You being a composer. So I, I was going to say that I agree with the point that it's not something that's singable. It doesn't have the recorders going do 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 do. There, there's none of that. But I will say that in in the world of composing that I try to experiment in and like would like to have a job doing someday, this shit was right up my alley. Like super rad, dark, droning, ambient synth parts. And I mean, the type of, of film experience this is doesn't call for like adventure themes. Mm, right. You know, it calls for stuff that makes you, that like helps your brain along as you're ruminating and thinking about these conversations, you know, 
So, uh, you know, and if we, I will say too, if we get like a big hero Star Wars moment later in the show from someone when they drop the binary sunset in or whatever, it's going to be a billion times more effective yeah. if it's like the only thing you hear, you know, not to say that's going to happen, who knows. But I just think that I've been messing around with a lot of sounds in the very similar space that this show is being scored. Like the sort of neoclassical thing that's happening in scoring now where a lot of classical instruments, strings, piano... Uh, are being blended with heavy doses of synthesizers and electronic percussion, mm -hmm. or whether it's not electronic percussion, percussion that is very unconventional, you know, like to bring it up again, think about the Dune soundtrack, like so much of that was organic, but it was like Hans Zimmer himself has talked about how they were building instruments. They were making new, making new sounds, building new drums, building new horns to make different weird sounds. That's neoclassical, like the concept of forging new sounds to, uh, to blend with strings and piano. And that's what's happening in this show. So I was immediately drawn to the score. And while I can't sing the opening theme, it's epic. Whatever yeah. happens when Andor comes up, you're like, ooh, yeah. something yeah. massive is about to happen. I mean, it's all mood, mood setting. It's the, tension for the building. first three episodes, I would say it's, it's mood mm -hmm. Setting for sure, and and, and tension building, and mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's it was a perfect choice by the the producers to choose him to score it. Dude, I love that detuned wob the wobbly detuning of that synth at the top of each you know each time that that part, synth part happens. Mm -hmm. It's got like a you know like an old tape machine that that doesn't have a consistent. RPM kind of yeah. thing to it. I mean, you know what I mean. It's interesting that you notice that because in every with everything I just said, another huge part of this sort of movement, this sort of new genre, if you want to call it that, is crazy tape echo, like old Rollins space mm -hmm. echoes, and finding them and like having everything, everything you record running through space echoes and stuff, so that it's all getting warped yeah. and twisted, and you know, it's it's rad. It's a, it's kind of a new frontier, and it's it's really cool. To, have, to see it in film, it's cool. The producer who did the, the new Story of the Year record, Colin Britton, he has a like a one-inch tape machine that's just in his rack that's routed through. They have all this shit written to like, you know, they have to compensate for it with like a, a delay because it goes through and there's, there's all this weird shit. But its single purpose there is to have it so, number one, it puts that like warmth on of the, of the tape machine. And you can also just touch the reel as it's spinning to get it to kind of yep. warble and warp and so interesting yep. stuff. There's also a full live like acoustic drum kit part yeah. in the third episode or whatever. Uh, end of two. Yeah. It's when he's walking through the scrapyard. For some reason, it reminded me real quick of uh, if you're familiar with, is it me, myself and Irene? Yeah. Whenever he like flips out, when Jim Carrey flips <laughs> out and it goes to this like really distorted like drum kit. Yeah, like kind of thing. I don't know if you <laughs> guys remember movie. that. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the behind the scenes will actually make that reference and will be the best thing you've ever seen. <laughs> hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, uh, this one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah, they have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously, and other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more, so many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts, and not just for the men, but for the women and the children, too. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Uh, let's cover just like a few things to clarify for folks if there's any like ambiguity if you've only watched it once stuff you missed this is five bby like we mentioned morlani system is 
where we are. It's a system that's run by a corporation, like old school, like Rust Belt style in a way where like towns are just built around a factory kind of deal. Comment on that. I think there is a super cool vibe and I don't know, call it political commentary if you want, but that the empire is just fully in bed with this company oh, and yeah. allows them, allows them to, cause we're not like in the outer rim. We're not in a play, like allows them to serve search warrants uh, as a private company. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know, like consider all those things. Like the empire owns everything now, right yeah. now where we are, they own everything. There's no company that's like serving. I, I just thought the use of the word warrant, we have a warrant for Cassian Andor's arrest. Yeah. Clearly they are favored heavily. This system is favored heavily by the empire and they're producing for them and they're, you know, and then the other thing about that company I wanted to say, did you guys notice that I missed something? Is it somewhere hidden Did this? Anyone said that their uniforms have like super halcyon colors and vibes that like oh, orange and yeah. blue, yeah. super, super spot yeah. on colors and so I don't know. It I, seemed a little, uh, especially with, the, with their with their cute little hats. It yeah. seemed very uh, Cloud City, like, like, like yeah, Bespin. as if they like, yeah, that's that's a, like they own the the Star Line, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the, <laughs> the line of cruises mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know, yeah. but I I got that yeah, vibe. It's like Samsung in Korea, they do everything from like diapers to insurance yeah. to TVs. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. yeah. I think there's there's something. We're five years out from the empire falling, basically, or not really, but the, the, the beginning first of the fall win for yeah. the rebels. And there's like obviously a laziness with the empire where they're like this corporation probably or definitely kicks back money to the empire for ruling the system. You know, the empire is just like this is basically a, sec- a separate security. Mm-hmm. It's not stormtroopers, you know, so like they're running things and probably kicking back. And even that main, the older guy, when Cyril is trying to tell him, hey, two of our guys just got killed. He seems like so lazy, like, I don't want to deal with this. You know, like, I'm going to meet with the Empire right now. Like, I got to tell them everything's okay. So they leave us alone. Sort exactly. Of vibe. Yeah. Yes. So there's just obviously laziness going on. And the Empire is not in charge. They're in charge. The corporation's in charge. Well, I mean, it's, is it laziness or is it the kind of thing where like they're spread so thin that they want something from this system? This corporation gets the sale of their goods to the empire out of the deal. The empire doesn't mm-hmm. have to supply any troops. And it's like, Hey, if you can just keep your shit in line, keep your people in line, run your system and get us what we need. We'll stay out of your way and vice versa. Just like the, like the deal that Lando made with, um, with the empire and the empire strikes back. Oh yeah. You know? true. Well, you think about how often the empire is compared to Nazi Germany, right? I mean, the States didn't have to pay for Mercedes, like was in on the war effort, you know? And yeah. like, Damn. Like Hugo Boss designed the and made the uniforms, you know. I mean, that's and 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 not a corporation, but think about like Italy was like a satellite state almost, right? So like the idea that yeah, they were spread too thin. So he started to have other places work on behalf of the empire. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And and like that age old debate of of government and corporations and it's it's all there and it's yeah. awesome that it's just being it's on display in in Star Wars in this way. Again, it's 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 big boy shit. It's it's grown up stuff. No, what big boy? You're grown up. <laughs> so there are at least four planets in this system. Two that we know of. Uh, two or two or three that we know of. Morlana One is where the majority of this stuff is going on, or the the first act, I guess, where you know the brothel is and all that kind of stuff. And then Ferrix, the planet where Cassian lives. Maybe that was four, because they said they they were talking. Uh, they the definitely mentioned four. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's that. happening on four. Mm-hmm. They just called it, you know, they didn't call it Morlana four. They just called it four, right? We get the vibe either way. That's the free trade sector of the system, but it's still obviously policed by them. So looser, but still, well, you know, just like the Empire can come, you know, show up on Tatooine in the Outer Rim and they're a little out of place there, but technically they still run shit. Same kind of vibe with this corporation and the planets in the free trade sector. Priox Morlana is, is that the name of the corporation or is that the security company? I feel like that's the corporation, right? Yeah, because they call them Corpos. They killed two yeah. Corpos. And it goes by... Right? And it goes by Primor for short. Priox Morlana was my father. Please call me Primor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, we, we pretty much t- touched on everything else. The, the idea is just to like the, the security cover-up thing. Yeah, that's laziness, but that's also like kind of honoring the deal. If they get any, if the empire gets any indication that shit 
is not going well here, they're going to have hell to pay. Yeah, because they were even talking about, uh, you know, that I, I forget that dude who Cyril was talking to, uh, the older dude. He was talking about the two guards who were killed. It, they were like, they're in a sector that we're not supposed to have. They're not mm-hmm. even supposed to be there doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Like, it's just like kind of controlled on lawful things going on in that yeah. kind of like pseudo red light district. So they're like, if we start to report this, it's just going to have like a ripple effect of them finding, you know, other things that are going right. on. So, yeah. And they don't want them up their ass. So uh, a few things to just touch on. Cassian's looking for his sister in the first episode. That was mentioned once, and then we infer it from the flashbacks who his sister is, and the, you know that he saw her kind of for the last time when he wouldn't let her come along to go take a look at the crash. So he's looking for her in, in this brothel. He accidentally kills the security guard, has to kill the other guy, blasts him right in the head. Super gnarly. Yeah. Murder, death, kill. <laughs> but the whole plan is he's got this, this Imperial Starpath unit, like a GPS basically, that he's stolen, he wants to sell it, he wants to leave Ferrix. I guess he's going to go continue to look for his sister and he needs the money, right? That's the whole, like, that's the MacGuffin that, that fuels the entire first few episodes. Uh, episode two, he's trying to just kind of, like, lay low and and not get caught because red flags are going up, all the shit's hitting the fan. They find out his name, they assemble a team to go arrest him. The buyer shows up for this Imperial GPS he's selling. That's Luthen, that's uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Flashbacks to uh, the the crash ship that I mentioned. One kick gets shot. It ends at an arbitrary spot. Episode three, the buyer shows up. Luthen, corporate tactical forces arrive on Ferrix as well to arrest Cassian. Cassian meets Luthen. There's that that big shootout that we talked about towards the end. Tries to recruit him to the rebellion. You know what I do like about? I wanted to mention when you guys were talking about earlier. I love that there's in that shootout in episode three. It's Luthen and Cassian versus the Corpos, but there's actually like a third element there that almost acts like a monster, and it's just those things falling, like yeah. whatever those were. Yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. they both both sides have to like worry about this third entity. And that was a really cool like <laughs> new in Warzone, thing. we call that getting third party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I mean I feel like that was a really cool take on an action scene is that it's yes, it's good versus bad, but then there's like this third a third, a secret third thing. It's the, you know, it's like a fight on the side of a volcano mm-hmm. or in a jungle when there's like a, you know, like an avalanche or some kind of crap. That was one kind of adventure movie vibe there. And I thought it was sick. Um, and there's also this thing with like the locals rising up. They mm-hmm. start ringing those, not bells, but they've got like pieces of metal outside and they they all start banging those and the corpos start getting kind of freaked out. Mm-hmm. It's still they only barely got into it at the end when obviously they tied up that one ship. The dude tried to, to cruise and it, they had like a, a big piece of junk. Also murder, death, kill. Yeah. So violent and gnarly. Big piece of junk tied to a ship and he pulls it up in the air and, and swings around, gets caught and crashes into that, uh, that big industrial tower thing, whatever. Did I miss anything? Was that intentional? Did like someone do that or that was just like unintentional, I guess? My sense was that was the locals. You know, okay. they, they, gotcha. kind of, they mm-hmm. were ringing the bell and then... Um, is that his name? Bra- is Brasso his, his buddy's name yeah. that works in the yard? Yeah, yeah. yeah he did. I, I bet he did it. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, but Marva, she's telling them when she's, she, you know, they've got her kind of held in her house. They're like, what is that sound? And she's like, you know, you should be more worried when it stops, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That's reckoning, she says. So we get a little bit of sense of what's happening. It's... They bring down that one ship, and then there's one more big thing as they're trying to capture Cassian. Also, Luthen's blowing stuff up. He has the exit planned. Did you catch, uh, this isn't a big action moment, but in their conversation right before the battle, I just thought of this, uh, when Luthen says something to Cassian, isn't that where they hung your father? Mm. Yeah. Or I know that's where they hung your father, whatever it was. So you have to assume that the dude that showed up with Marva in the beginning. It's the father figure. It yeah. was hung there. Yeah. In the square. I wonder if we're going to see that because definitely there's clone troopers in the trailer at mm-hmm. some point, which would mm-hmm. put that into a Going flashback. back to that time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. And it could be that moment like uh, Bad Batch era, mm-hmm. right? When the clones have flipped and they're just doing ruthless stuff that people don't expect from them. Yeah, and Cassian's going to have to watch his, his dad, his adopted father, yeah. get hung. 
We are talking about Star Wars, right? <laughs> they hung someone in Kenobi. There was there was a hanging in Kenobi. That's true. That's I know, true. I know, and I think that's what that opened the door for. That you know, they all talk to each other. I bet that that opened the door for this to say. So now they hang people in the square. Yeah. Well, that's at least do. the body hanging had a head, unlike uh, the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that was brutal. Spoiler: I didn't see it. <laughs> just said body. Man, just a headless body. Um, so it ends with Marva taking young Cassian on the ship to Canari. Turns out that ship is the one that he. It's like his. You know his clubhouse, his like fort that he goes to. We we have no frame of reference for where Marva and her partner that's with her like came from or how they mm. showed up there, how they knew that Not separatist yet. ship was down. No, but it seemed like they were they were there doing the same kind of thing, like scrapping, right? I think so. Yeah, because they showed up they, and they pulled all of those. They wanted to pull those fuel cells or whatever that's they right. were. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the the final moment is pretty sick. I think how they're telling like the parallel stories. There's kind of an ending to that moment in Cassian's young life and an ending to his moment in his uh, young adult life in this show, leaving that planet. He left the place where he grew up. He's now leaving Ferrix. Marva sheds a tear. They roll the credits. That's uh, that's all the time we have. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to touch on before we get into the den of antiquities? I mean, we love this. We love it all. I mean, just overall, like, vibe. You know, everyone's going to have the same take because it's pretty, like, there's a vibe to it. It's very cool, but... It's a heavy-handed vibe. Yeah, I just just appreciate the fact that there are, assuming that this is successful, going to be different lanes of storytelling in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We could have this, and... I mean, think about who the average subscriber for Disney Plus is. It's an adult. It's not like there's seven-year-old kids putting their credit card numbers in Disney Plus, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's like there are adults who could watch this, and I, I don't want to hear. I already saw comments from idiots that are just like the first two were boring, but the third one was good. It's like, <sighs> come, like, what do you want from a show or a movie? Let them tell a story, you know. Yeah. So know. either way, I feel like this is gonna be pretty universally liked. I guess we didn't really get into the like total wokeness that everyone's talking about. Yet. I feel like that's coming, so that might piss off the people who are already pissed off. But uh, I have it's, no it's going to be great. I mean, immediately last night, I thought, too, about how I bet you that Skeleton Crew is a, another lane when that comes yeah. out. And that's going to be maybe the actual opposite of this, where it's going to be more following a bunch of kids. You know, yeah. like this one's going to be adults and kind of adult sort of lane and then skeleton crew is going to come out and just be basically like the first season of stranger things vibe kind of dude and then they've got a cartoon coming out for actual toddlers mm-hmm. and they have books for little kids like yeah. vivian lira blair said she learned how to read from star wars books star wars mm-hmm. is for everyone and they're going hard with that ethos making sure that they they give everyone something mm-hmm. now we have adult prestige tv in star wars and i'm about it let's get into the den of antiquities thousand generations. It is the dark Satan. Oh, gosh. It's a calicory. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Nick, take us down in the den for some delicious nuggets. All right. So did you notice right away, you know, whenever there's a new show on Disney+, Plus, they have that kind of character runner where it's just like a bunch of helmets or whatever. They updated that to include B2 Emo, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Pretty immediately, we do see that for the very first time ever on screen, BBY is used, which is cool because we get that, which is funny. But, you know, my mom's just going to be like, what, baby, baby five? What does that mean? (laughs) Two interesting things. One, they put a date on screen for the first time ever. Mm. And two, that they have it as BBY five Mm -hmm. rather than five BBY. Instead of five BBY. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense if you think about this could not be the real reason, but you know how in Europe or in England, the date is flipped. You know, it's mm-hmm. like 5 July 2022, whatever. For sure. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're flipping. There, there are a lot more British characters in this. You know, it's a, it's a different vibe than other parts of the galaxy. Yeah. So maybe it's, it's locally relevant. Mm-hmm. Zach in the chat definitely, I feel like, nailed it by saying it's like a countdown. Because obviously, yeah. BBY five, BBY four, episode yeah, one, yeah. yeah, episode one of season two will say BBY four, you know, and then the next arc will be obviously three. Mm-hmm. Guess what comes after that too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, I do like the, those two guards that Cassian killed when they were trying to get his attention, kept calling him Scrano. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's very George Lucas, you know? Yeah. Like, that's like, I don't know, this guy with the death sticks, his name's Sleaze Bagano. <laughs> <laughs> the skinny guy, he's called uh, Scrano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so when that hound uh, was peeing on B2, <laughs> he kind of just pulls an R2 and, and zaps him. I thought that was really cool. I think it's almost the exact same little zapper, too. Like yeah. The same shape, like that tab thing. Uh, they, that guard's blaster that Cassian steal, like takes off that guard definitely had a DL-44 vibe. I don't know if it's like a DL other number, but yeah. it had a scope and kind of just like a, a slimmer version of, of the DL-44. If anybody can get a shot of that, if it's any in any of the promo stuff or behind the scenes, like Instagram crap that's out there, send it our way. I vaguely remember him having, having I had that same thought in Rogue One that he had a blaster similar to Han. So I wonder if that was like that blaster's origin hmm. story. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to look into that. Uh, Cassian's ship has uh, boosters on it that look a lot like Y-Wing boosters. Pretty cool. Uh, Adam, you pointed this one out. There's a worker leaving leaving work on Ferrix that's carrying a hard shell symbol case. Yeah, uh, which we know they definitely use. You know, especially in Galaxy's Edge and, and Batu, they use just normal SKB cases. They just paint them white and weather them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In some of the background scenes, you could see older Republic ships being scrapped for parts. Most notably, there's a kind of like a Republic attack cruiser, which is high up on on oh, one sick. of those. Uh, yeah. So they're I didn't see that. definitely using those for newer Imperial ships. Uh, Tim, when speaking to Bix at one point, is says, are we bidding on the Wobani run tomorrow, which was originally in Rogue One and is also an anagram for Obi-Wan. That's the planet where uh, they have, the planet where they have Jin held, they have her in a cell and then they leave there and go to Jedha, yeah. right? I think it's the yeah Imperial prison planet or yeah. whatever they call it, yeah. This one's a deep cut, the... Orlean Star Cab is very similar to the type of ship Mara Jade flew in the Legends comic, which is called Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand, number one. Yeah, that's that's what they when they were looking at the uh, like the radar coming in, right? And they see mm-hmm. they see one ship, and the guy's like, "Oh, it could be an Orlean Star Cab, could be a so and so." It was just like a quick reference, and I looked it up. But there's only one canon reference since then, and it's in a reference book. There were like three reference books that were made for kids, like young adults or like like teenagers, basically. Like uh, scaled down versions of those like, you know, complete vehicles guides or whatever, that kind of thing mm-hmm. in 2014. And it's referenced there, but nowhere else. So I, I that seems like like a Legends deep cut mm-hmm. for the nerds. Ryan, is yours from episode one too? It could be both. Uh, definitely episode one, you see him crossing the street. And then I, whenever Tim makes the call to report Cassian next to him on the phone, I got the vibe that it was a Duros. Oh, yeah. Cad Bane. Same species as Cad Bane. I'd have to look. Early, in episode one, crossing the street, there's a blue-skinned, very, very similar, Mm -hmm. like, mouth shape, whatever. And then the dude next to him on the phone, he has kind of, like, interesting sort of, like, tendril hair Mm -hmm. behind, like, kind of has a dread vibe. And Mm -hmm. I don't, obviously, Cad Bane always had a hat on, for the most part. But he did, he was bald, like, bald, though, when his hat was bald, Yeah, just like the one in, um, in the cantina. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, it, I mean, watch it again, the dude next to him on the phone. I mean, it just looks so, so similar. It's very tall, skinny, humanoid, like nothing else sticking out of his head or anything kind of. Mm. Yeah, so I, I thought that could be. And uh, Duros, Duro is the planet that mm-hmm. Cad Bane is from. So this was interesting. In the trailer, I could have sworn that there were Republic gunships, and there still might be. But we see that the Primor dropships actually resemble Republic gunships and they're called mobile tack pods, pretty similar in shape. So I'm going to go look in the trailer and see if what I saw in the trailer was just in episode one, which is those Corpo drop chips. I think it's that same shot where it's from behind, right? And they're, they're going away from the camera to go land. Yeah. 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 Just the same kind of, uh, same kind of silhouette, but they have the, the folding up. I mean, it could be like, like, you know, any kind of vehicle where there's a big one and there's a small one and they're just based on each other. It mm-hmm. uh, could be some kind of uh, variant or something. Yeah. All right, that's it for episode one. Episode two, after uh, this little booty call thing in the morning, Bix <laughs> asked Tim or says to Tim, tell me you have calf, which I'm pretty sure, like I know what black calf is. I don't remember it ever being like in live action or anything like that. I mean, it's coffee, obviously, but... 
We all know what it is. So how do how do we know where did it where have we heard it before? It's been in books and comics and stuff. It's just never been said in live action. I think you're right, mm. to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. The crash ship in the Canary flashback is separatist, and you could see uh, on the dead people's uh, little jumpsuits, they definitely have like a separatist kind of logo on them. Probably one of the most blatant Easter eggs is that there's a Bantha kind of like stuffed animal toy in Cassian's mm-hmm. room. Yeah, he got he got that at the gift shop in Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the final thing in episode two, in the transport that Luthen comes in to Farrakhan, there are kind of all the way in the back two Akiaki people. And the Akiakis are from first scene in The Rise of Skywalker on Pasana. So that's pretty cool that they actually... Uh, Maybe repurposed some some costumes. Yeah, they keep things now. They don't all go in the garbage like they did in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, dude. Speaking of something we missed when we were talking about the Obi Wan behind the scenes last week, when Deborah Chow was looking at the animatronics, the different aliens, the one with all of the eyes. Mm-hmm. Somebody pointed out on Instagram to us that is the species. It's probably the exact same mask when they're on Kajimi. That one alien pops his head out of his apartment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, shit. And he goes back in. Mm-hmm. That's that mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Uh, so that's it for two. And there's even less in episode three. I will say to just bring up Luthen, and then you have one, Ryan, for Luthen. Did you notice Luthen's cane kind of was like the way it worked and looked was a little lightsabery? Yeah. It definitely looked like a hilt. And then at one point and pretty like almost like a wink to the camera, he like retracts it. Yeah. And it just goes, the, the actual cane kind of folds into itself. And I'm like, that's, I've seen that before. That's like an old school lightsaber. Was it me or did you guys also see, it seemed like it kind of spun like the outer, like it was hollow, mm. like the, you know, the little finger trap toy kind of spun and, and retracted down. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like, like it's almost like woven, like thin metal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd have a to hollow look again. That could be sick. What if it's best car? <laughs> um, I was just going to say that uh, I think there's a very deliberate pan shot. If you didn't already get it in the cockpit the first time you see the back of Luthen's head, but when Cassian gets on the ship, it's like straight up same class Corellian cruiser as the Millennium Falcon is. Like yeah, the doorways, very similar. The doorways are all shaped the same. The like trim around the doors is the same. The hallway sort of leading to the cockpit feels the same. And then uh, the cockpit has this sort of circular, the same windshield as the cockpit in the falcon has Mm -hmm. but but i think the doorway there was a very deliberate shot of like the doorway going into the cockpit was just so obvious to me of like oh we're showing that this is a corellian class of ship you know Mm -hmm. but i love it i love that shit all right let's start wrapping this up and get to i love you i know i love you i know favorite scenes favorite moments all the stuff Ryan has a tattoo of that Star War. <laughs> Let's go to the patrons and get some favorites here from the Jedi Council tier who are watching and listening right now, live. Nick, you want to read one here? Uh, Stacy liked the first time we hear B2 Emo talk. Yeah, that was it was a little like startling in a good way. You know, I was just like, stuttery. oh, it's English. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, and the stutter too. Yep. Yeah, because he's wrecked, man. You look at the mm-hmm. flashbacks, he's all shiny and then he's all <laughs> yeah. beat up. Yeah. yeah, I'd be stuttering too. It's all good, bud. Got an old battery. You should probably take advantage of that um, Apple extended battery warranty. Uh, Brad says the warehouse scene. Yeah, I mean, that was a really well done, for sure, really well done fight kind of battle scene. Stacy again says, I love that shot of Luthen and Cassian going on, uh, on the speeder going across the fields. That was really cool. Just yeah, kind of almost shot, like right? the, yeah, like the overhead view of like almost like different squares of. Oh, like rice patties. Yeah, like it's, each uh, square yeah, kind of had like different, you know, just look yeah, like different. the water splashing as they would come across the... Yeah, yeah, real cool. Yeah. And last one, Patrick says, and I agree, it looked really cool when uh, Bix was kind of climbing up that tower to send the signal. Yeah. And also the way that scene ended, because it ended from the top, almost like it came out of the, the top of the tower. Really cool. Oh, yeah. Signal coming out, out to the world. William Ryan Key, what was your favorite scene or moment in this? I think the conversation between Luthen and Cassian that sort of sets the stage for everything that is to come was really well written. Stellan Skarsgård is absolutely insane in his job. As always, 
uh, just fully believe, you know, he, he's been in so many things. We talk about this from time to time, putting well-known actors in Star Wars is not often done. For some reason, there is a disconnect with someone who you've seen in so many other things, all of a sudden living in the Star Wars universe. It like, it like takes you out of it because you're like, I know that's an actor, mm-hmm. right? Why Diego Luna is such a perfect casting for all of, for all of this. Like, yeah. Again, Narcos is huge, but only kind of in its own right. So he's in everything. He, he's in everything. He has been in everything for many, many years. He is a super well-known, world-famous actor. But I fully believe he is deep in the rebellion. And I'm excited to see what we get out of him in, in this character's shoes. So I really liked that exchange between the two of them. I think the dialogue was amazing. And I, I liked sort of discovering that Cassian has a lot of pent up aggression for the Empire, but hasn't been willing to do anything about it for real. He's been sort of passive aggressively taking it out on them by stealing from them. And I mean, the words for real are in the scene. Don't you want to fight these bastards for real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And real cool. I think Cassian's been a little scared to do it. I think he he doesn't really know what to do. He He's good at being kind of a pickpocket in in that way. And that's enough for him to sort of feel like, you know, I'm sticking it to the man, but has never really seen an opportunity to, to, to take it to the next level. And now that that's being offered to him under such extreme circumstances where he has to make a decision right away on the spot. It's, it's so high stakes, dude. It's so good. Nick, how about you? What's your favorite? Uh, I'll go with two. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say these are like my favorite favorite, but two things we haven't mentioned yet was for sure. They're both B2 moments. Uh, I really do like when B2 asks what Marva, I believe, was saying about Cassian and where he was the night before. And B2 is like, she said you were ruining your health and reputation with friends of a low character. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty awesome. That's great. Uh, And then there, there was another B2 moment too, where Cassian's asking him to lie. And his response was like, I have enough energy to do that. Like he needed like, to do a lie. Powers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn, this, this droid needs like, it takes extra energy to lie. That's, that's funny. Yeah. That's a high power consumption algorithm to yeah. run the lie algorithm. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry. Stacy just made a really cool comment in the chat. One of our patrons that we see the same scene in rogue one, but it's Cassian. Cassian is Luth and, and Jin is Cassian. Oh, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Yes. So cool. Great observation. Perfect. My favorite moment is more like a sequence towards the end in episode three when all the locals start banging on the things outside their businesses and their residences and closing down, getting ready for the shit to hit the fan, basically, and how it cross cuts from that to Marva in her home and the Corpos asking about it and then to the old factory or whatever where the shootout's about to happen, the feeling of all of that starting to boil over, the pot start to boil, like everything, you know, this hour and 20 minutes so far that's that we've been watching that's been this slow burn, it's now about to boil over. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just really, really well done, great cross-cutting, great tension building. So not a, not a singular scene, more like the sequence there. As usual, I'm cheating a little bit, but I thought it was dramatic. I thought it was suspenseful and I was fully ready for the next episode when it was done. Uh, one more thing, my final thought, one thing we haven't covered yet is uh, Cyril Karn. He's got a real nervous energy and not necessarily like I'm a bad guy energy because clearly he's like pinned as the like antagonist in this arc so far as like the bad guy, as the opposite of Cassian. But he's got a nervous energy and that's really making me think that like it's, I don't know if it's a turn, but something is up with him. It, he doesn't really seem like, hey, I'm here to be the bad guy. He seems like a little bit of a corporate shill, but he's super nervous in episode three when they're walking into town. Yeah. And all those other like rent-a-cops are kind of like, let's go do this. Let's go, you know, like, and he's kind of like really on edge and he can't give that speech, you know, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he doesn't believe if that winds up being the case, like if he might be... Well, it could go It could go either way because the, the anger could be coming, the anger and discomfort and fear and all that could be coming from his realization that they don't care about their employees. They don't care, mm-hmm. you know, the, the two of them are dead and they just want to cover it up. So he's, he's angry and he's like, well, fine, I'm going to go kill the guy that killed them, which is clearly what happened. Yeah. Or is happening, and you got to think he's going to get in huge trouble for for what he's what he's doing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he he went in and just said, 
I'm going to get all these guys to do everything that my boss just told me not to do. Yeah, yeah. he goes rogue. Yeah. So, so he's either going to stay on the path of like vengeance and rage, which is why he's so not able to, he's just, you know, eyes are filling with tears and he's, or as you said, he's like, I, I, this is, this is such, this is so wrong. Yeah. Being a part of this is so wrong. I think it could go either way. There, there's two things that I'm like, you know, this is slight speculation. He doesn't have a, any sort of UK accent at all. Mm-hmm. And normally bad dudes do. Plus, when I was on IMDb looking for him, I couldn't find him because he doesn't look the way he does in this show. Like his yeah. hair is dyed, he's clean cut. Like even his eyebrows, I think, are dyed. So I wonder if there's something to that even, where clearly if you want a guy, oh, by the way, he looks like Matt Martin a lot. Lucasfilm, Matt Martin. He does, he does. <laughs> um, like if Matt Martin and Sam Witwer smashed yeah. together and made a baby. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, you know, that's that's reading into things a little bit. It's like, if you want a guy who looks like that, you probably could have cast a guy who looks like that. But maybe there's like, in my head, there's like an unraveling by the end of next year. Like if he does turn, he could just look sort of different. So I don't know. There, there's something up with that character for sure. Yeah. He had a lot of screen time. He was nervous a lot and he's not coming off necessarily like a bad guy yet. Yeah, he's got this like, because he's he's young-ish looking, he's got this like Hitler youth, oh my God, I'm really actually in it now. It's not just like a uniform in a, in a club I'm in. Like, um, you know, like Rolf at the end of The Sound of Music when he pulls the gun, when he, I don't know if either of you grew up watching The Sound of Music like I did. A you thousand know, pulls, times. It was the, one of the only VHS tapes at my grandmother's house in Maitland, Florida. And so we watched it a thousand times. Yeah, I love it. So he pulls the gun on the, the Von Traps when they're trying to leave and he's all shaky and he's... He can't really do it. He's, you know, he's on the team. He's wearing the uniform, but he's not quite cut out for it. I got that vibe. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get out of here. Before we do, Nick, you got anything coming up you want to shout out? Oh my goodness. So many things. Uh, well, Bayside has two newer songs out with a third one coming next month. I will be on the Sith list, which comes out, I believe, is it tomorrow? I want to say podcast called the sith list which i've been on before i'm sure i'll be talking about Andor, but they're more of a, a pop culture podcast so i'm sure we'll do like house of dragon and stuff like that too so listen to the latest episode of the sith list which i believe is out now also and uh don't forget to buy my children's book called that's okay and uh you could catch up with everything else that i'm doing radio radio show has a new episode out all my social media is at nick bayside please follow me william ryan key how about you um I have a new song coming out on Friday with my project appropriate to this podcast titled Jetta is the name of my project. I work with the lead guitarist of Yellow Card, my good friend Ryan Mendez, and I have been working on music for coming up on five years together now. We're putting out new music every month. Uh, We have a single coming on Friday called Plateau. We worked with a new up-and-coming artist called Napoleon, and it's the first song we've ever released out of the six or so songs we've dropped since February. This is the first one with vocals and we're really excited about it. It's a totally kind of new space for us to be in. So if you like dance music and you like breathy, atmospheric, like ethereal, beautiful female vocals on your dance music, this one's for you. (laughs) So uh, you can pre-save the song on Spotify. I mean, I know it's only a day left now to get it, but it comes out tomorrow. It's available everywhere you stream music and you can find the links for that stuff on my socials, which are at William Ryan Key. I have almost nothing cool and new to report (laughs) other than uh, my band will have a song out in a couple few weeks, uh, second one for our new album, a new story of the year song. My personal social media stuff is at Adam the Skull on Twitter and Instagram. Mosh Eisley is coming up. It will be the second weekend of the When We Were Young Festival in Las Vegas at a place called Backstage Bar and Billiards. It is selling faster than you want it to if you haven't gotten your ticket yet. So get your (laughs) ticket at moshisley.com. It's going to be the best party you've ever been to. If you've been before, tell all your friends, hey, man, this is the best party ever. Go get a ticket. We'll have some merch. We'll have some good times. We'll have some alcohols, some portions of alcohol. Some death sticks. some spice. (laughs) Some death sticks. You know, the huge. And aside from that, you can listen to Armor Party, which is back. One of our podcasts on the network hosted by Mike Forrester. There are three episodes now into the season at Armor Party Show on all things for them. Princess and Scoundrel the third podcast on the, on the network for the first time ever, a podcast that we did together that we pushed to the thank the maker feed is also available in video form on the princess and scoundrel YouTube channel. They're at princess and scoundrel show on Instagram and they're at princess and scoundrel on TikTok. 
If you want to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod to get access to our Discord server, listen to us and watch us record live here, get patron-only content. We might do a little thing after this. I do a little uh, a little speculation sesh that we'll put on uh, Patreon. Nonetheless, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can go to do that and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at thankthemakerpod, on Twitter at thankthemaker. Let's wrap this whole thing up with a quote of the week from the show. Ryan, can you give it to us? To end the show? Yeah, bro. To play us out. To play us out. Okay, quote of the week. From Cassian's, we assume, adopted Mother Marva. That's what a reckoning sounds like. You want it to stop, but it just keeps coming. It's when it stops. That's when you really want to start to fret. Mm-hmm. Look out. That is when you want to start to fret. They're about to steal your plans and blow up your Death Star, bro. <laughs> yep. All right, dudes. Good to hang with you. Good to be back in the heat of some new Star Wars, right in the thick of it. Patrons, thanks for being here with us. Listeners, thank you for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm.